Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap. Joining me as always is Roster Watch co-founder and managing partner Byron Lambert. This is a special pre-Thanksgiving waiver wire edition of the podcast and we're also going to look ahead and give some of our first thoughts about the Thanksgiving slate over on DraftKings, the three-game slate, Minnesota, uh, Detroit, the Chargers at Dallas, and the New York Giants at the Washington Redskins. They kind of go over the some of the pricing on DraftKings, some of our initial thoughts before we get any of our analytics uh, in, because it's always an important part of your process to kind of you know, see where you stand on things initially and where they morph from there as more information uh, comes in. Byron, you just want to get started right on the uh, waiver wire cheat sheet that's available for our promo pro members at rosterwatch.com, or is, is there anything that you wanted to touch on from this last week of uh, week 11 action? Well, I'm actually kind of glad you just mentioned what you did because uh, we had a, we've had a couple of big weeks here in DFS, and some of our users have been asking us for a little more insight into the process. We always talk about how important the process is, as you guys know. We get the picks right just about every single week. It's about putting the puzzle together. So, Alex, I think you you just kind of referenced an important part of the process to you. You love seeing kind of your initial thoughts for the week. Maybe maybe in the pod, a little later in the pod, we can talk about a few of the components of each of our processes that we've found to be helpful. Well, I'll tell you what's not helpful is whenever Tevin Coleman gets the touchdown called back last night and you see your winnings on DraftKings fall literally you know, I wish they just would have never given him the touchdown on DraftKings <laughs> because my heart wouldn't have, you know, been racing going, you know, just going up to like uh, third place in one of these large field GPP tournaments on a three dollar entry all the way up to three thousand dollars and then back down to four hundred when it got called back. Just unbelievable swing. But, you know, that those are the breaks. And this is a game of inches, um, the, the NFL football in general. And, you know, as as that goes, so does the fantasy part of it. It's a game of inches, and it's just so hard to believe, man, that, you know, a couple inches and, and, and an elbow goes down right there at that half-inch line, and that's the difference of 2600 bucks. But, yeah, definitely a, a great week for me as far as my head-to-heads. Um, I, I managed to book wins in, I believe, 74% of my, uh, of, of my 150 uh, head-to-head lineups across uh, different – uh, buy-in levels, and you know, had a couple of um, had a had, had a couple of nice tournament takedowns. I was glad to hear that a couple members of Roster Watch Nation 
uh, booked their trips to uh, Key West for the King of the Beach on DraftKings. Always, always love hearing that. That was something that I wasn't uh, successful in getting done this year, but I feel almost just as good about it that we have a couple of members of Roster Watch Nation, some emailing us, some tweeting us, telling us some of them have had, uh, won multiple tickets. So certainly wish those guys the best of luck down there and hope that they can continue with the takedown. But, we'll, you know, we're turning our attention to I always love this Thanksgiving slate. I generally don't love short slates like the two-game primetime slates. I think that this slate's just short enough where there's enough to where we can dig in. There's enough players to where it's, it's a cool slate. There's a lot of different choices, a lot of different ways you could go. There's a little bit of value to be had. So we'll talk about all that. But first, let's talk about the waiver wire cheat sheet because, you know, on top of this DFS stuff, a bunch of us do have runs that we need to make either to make the playoffs or to uh, secure – by weeks, even if we've already secured by weeks, we got to play the defensive waiver wire against uh, our opponents because we don't want them picking up any of these guys and making us look like idiots later. So uh, just a quick reminder, if you can, please give the podcast a five-star rating and a good review in iTunes. It means the world to us. It gives us all the motivation to get these things out and pushed out uh, you know, more and more frequently for you guys. I feel like the content's just going to get even better as we get out of fantasy season and into draft season. Uh, we have at rosterwatch.com right now the updated um, Senior Bowl invite tracker, and a lot of our content will start turning a little bit more uh, overall NFL and NFL draft focused as we get into December and beyond. But right now we're still in the heart of fantasy season. We have to push through here to the very end. Only two weeks left. In our regular season, so Byron, uh, how, how do you want to start out this uh, this uh, waiver wire cheat sheet portion? Man, all we need is another reason to get out to Key West, huh? <laughs> I mean, I wish I was in Key West, but yeah, I wish one of these Roster Watch Nation members would invite us as their plus ones. I'd love that. We need some hyper DFS garb to send with those got those cats. Well, good luck. Yep. Good luck to them. Um, I don't. I mean, where to start is. We got a couple weeks left here. It's do or die. So you just got to make the moves you have to. Or some people are in. I mean, you're in full survival mode. You know, ba- you know, just about everybody. Whether it's hanging on to a buy or trying to get in the playoffs. This is. You got to this point. It's time to. Uh, I mean, it's time to start getting your chips in the middle of this thing, man. And so I think that's reflected on this week's waiver wire cheat sheet. There's a core group of guys that if you are deficient at your you know flex spot or your skill positions are real potential solutions here down the stretch and we're suggesting that if you have to you go all in on those fellas and of course there's still Look, you can't you can't take free agent dollars with you <laughs> into the off season you can't take them with you and you can't I know, you can't uh, will yeah, them I mean, out right no, I mean, I, 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 here's the, I know in some leagues and in some real cockamamie leagues, there's going to be some listener out there that says, no, well, in my league, the amount of free agent dollars that we have left over is some, you know, 13th tiebreaker or something like that. So I, I, I know that, I know that for some of you, the, the most maniacal, maybe there is some kind of, you know, tiebreaker scenario way down about how many free agent dollars you have left. I'd say the vast majority of you, 99.9%, you can't take it with you. Yeah, I mean, you you can't you, you can't stick those free agent uh, acquisition budget dollars in your back pocket and you know take them into the off season through through the NFL draft and everything else. So I mean, I'm in- it's time, man. It's it, I, I think this week on the waiver wire. I mean, we never know what's going to happen next week. You know, Lashawn McCoy could have a 
could get injured and you know all of a sudden you know Travaris Cadet or somebody like that will be a, a you know some kind of must own runner to pick up but uh, you know you you can't predict those kinds of things and we know that there were some things that happened this last week to make that indeed the case I mean starting out of course with Samaj P. Ryan, who has not had the season that we really expected. We thought that he would take over that role from Rob Kelly, aside from any kind of injuries uh, there in Washington. Uh, he, he just got off to a real slow, plodding, lumbering start where he just did not look like a good NFL runner. All that changed uh, in the Superdome on Sunday whenever Chris Thompson went out after only a quarter and a half and putting up a really, I mean, hurting a couple of my DFS lineups, but, you know, not killing him because he had already put up 10.8 PPR points in only a quarter and a half. He was poised for a monster. So Maj P. Ryan comes in at that point in time with really nobody else for that team to turn to. Uh, got two targets, um, so a little bit involved in the passing game, but more importantly, 24 touches for 126 and a touchdown on 70% of snaps. He looked good in this game. Uh, I know that the New Orleans Saints have been a team that has been a funnel defense to the run game just with uh, how good that Marshawn Lattimore has kind of kind of become you know they're uh, they're they're for uh, them they're on the perimeter but I think this is I mean the, the the deal is the New Orleans Saints have turned into actually a pretty good defense all around and I think it's encouraging what Samaj P. Ron did versus them I think that moving forward you're looking at a guy who's going to be an every week plug and play running back too yeah, first I'd like to mention when we're talking about cockamamie tiebreakers that I'm of the Dana White <laughs> I'm of the Dana White school of thought. He don't let these things go to the judges, guys. We get in here and we're looking for the knockout. We're looking for the submission. Yeah, right. We're not we're not going to let this thing go yeah. to some cockamamie tiebreaker with our fucking free agent dollars. Um, well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I knew that we'd get shit from somebody tweeting and saying no free agent. The, the, you you know you can't. Me saying you can't take it with you or it's not worth shit at the end of the season. Some people say, well, well, actually, in my league, it is. It's a tiebreaker, but yeah, yeah well, I would, get wouldn't it. Wouldn't be roster watch if somebody wasn't on tilt. Um, <laughs> Samaj P. Ryan, I think the word is the word that I'm looking for. Is it vexing? I might Maybe. have to look that up to see exactly what it means, but I feel like that's the word that sounds like exactly how I feel on the inside about Samaj P. Ryan. A little bit frustrated, a little bit pissed off. A little bit confused, a little bit. Uh, I still think you. Say, a little bit, kind of. A little bit, kind of interested. You say you 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 say looks good. I wonder if that's the right word. To me, the word is better. You know, sometimes you look good. Sometimes, I you look good. Sometimes, I you look good. Sometimes yeah. with these guys, it just takes time. I I still don't think he looks as talented as like a Jordan Howard did last year. He just to me, I still just don't think he's. But he looks better. He looks better, and the things we saw in college, you know, Samaj P. Ryan coming home to roost for all of our predictions and prognostications for months and months. We've been ahead of this thing for six fucking months. It's a little frustrating because sometimes at Roster Watch, we're a little too early on these guys. Our subscribers, they can't say they didn't have their greasy paws all over this guy. Yeah, weeks at some point ago. they might have had to drop him. At some weeks point they might have had to. It but, took a, a fucking complete. Set of injuries, but yeah, I mean he's he's the top top waiver wire pickup of the week on a good offense, a player that's looking better, a better, a player that had a great scouting profile that it was impossible to reconcile how terrible he looked to begin. I still have questions long term whether he's 
really a big time NFL back, but he looks better and he's all they got. So you got to like Samaj P. Ryan right now. And hopefully you got him for cheap early in the season. If you didn't and you need a flex or running back, it's time to go ahead and ship it, I'd say. Another another Washington Redskin and just golden son of Roster Watch Nation is here on the waiver wire cheat sheet. Josh Doxson only owned a twenty eight percent of leagues. Uh, there's a lot of golden sons here up in this high priority uh, area on the ultimate waiver wire cheat sheet available to our pro subscribers at rosterwatch.com, where you can set your waiver priority the same way that we would as experts in just minutes. Josh Doxson, um, right up here in this same sort of elite tier. And with with Doxon, what we had said last week after we saw the huge uptick in snaps to a 90% snap participant, the huge uptick in targets to, I believe, in week 10. Uh, let me look at the snap counts tool. So we saw the seven targets on 92% of snaps in week 10. In week 11, even going up against Marshawn Lattimore, we saw, again, uh, seven targets with the four receptions per 81 yards. Now, Lattimore did get a little bit banged up early in that one, so he did not see... Uh, the full complement of his snaps versus uh, a real shutdown corner. And Marsh- Marshawn Lattimore saw a lot of Ken Crawley. But I, I, here's the thing. I do think that moving forward, we had said last week that Josh Dawson is seeing the big uptick that we want. Terrell Pryor has now been sent to the IR. Uh, Jordan Reed, who knows where he's going to be for the remainder of the season. This is a Kirk Cousins offense that has shown, I mean, even look at last week versus the Saints, they've shown that they can uh, stick in in these games versus even the, t- you know, even the t- toughest opponents. Uh, I think that when we looked ahead at Josh Doxon's schedule and we saw all these tough matchups, you know, the Saints, you know, and then the, in week 11 and then in week 12, we said, well, it's going to be Janor- it's going to be Janoris Jenkins and the New York Giants. I don't think that those New York Giants are the same team against the fantasy wide receiver that they were previously. I'm not sure that Josh Doxon's in such a bad spot this week. We'll talk about it when we talk about the Thanksgiving slate. But uh, look, man, all of Roster Watch Nation, at least at some at some point, owned Josh Doxon. I hope that some of you were able to maybe manage to hold on to him through the gamut of um, buys and everything else. I'm not sure that you were. I certainly wasn't in all of my leagues. At some point, you just have to cut bait when these guys just aren't producing. But yeah, if he's still back, if, if he's back out there on your waiver wires, it's, it's time to pick him back up because here's the thing. The talent is immense. And when the talent is immense and the snap share is, is steady at 87 to 90% of snaps and the targets in a Kirk Cousins offense are steady right now at seven and possibly trending up now with the imminent loss for the rest of the season of, of Terrell Pryor. I just, I don't see how, you know, the, 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 the imminent loss for the rest of the season of Chris Thompson, who would, who would break off six, six receptions a week in that offense. That outlet's gone. They're looking more and more to Josh Doxson, and you see it every week. They, they are going to him for the reason that they drafted him, to let him go up and fight for 50-50 balls going down the field, and it's something he's extremely good at, and it's extremely obvious that that's what they're doing, and it's becoming extremely obvious that Kirk Cousins is beginning to like to do that. I think uh, I agree with Byron with the slotting that he has, Kurt, that he has for Josh Doxson on this week's waiver wire cheat sheet at rosterwatch.com, that he's an absolute must-own in all formats. Well, and I'd add to that by saying matchup proof probably isn't the, wi- the right word, but he, he's not going to goose egg you. 
moving forward, which means for a lot of teams in competitive leagues, I, I'd, I'd be close to saying that Josh Doxson is a must-start the rest of the way. For most of the remainder of the season, I believe that he announced his arrival to the NFL the last two weeks, getting the shadow treatment from Xavier Rhodes and then and then showing well against Lattimore, battling, making plays, showing well, getting the targets. So And he and he even had a few that he even had a few that he's always gonna catch and that he that he just barely missed. It could have been a much bigger game on, on those seven targets. And I think that the target share is gonna go up from there. Another player who we got to see a lot of in our maniacal travels and travails of that 2015 class, Corey Coleman. Uh, he comes back in. An- another, an- uh, just a-, a golden son of Roster Watch Nation, a guy who we've said if that guy gets the volume, he's going to be sick. We thought, you know, we saw it at the beginning of the season with Deshaun Kaiser, a real connection there. Uh, he comes in his first game back from the hand injury. For there for the Cleveland Browns, 11 targets, six receptions for 80 yards on a 93% snap share. That was against the most formidable passing defense in the whole entire National Football League in the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think that Corey Coleman is the same deal. The arrow is pointed way, way, way up. Yeah, Corey Coleman, he's just a he's a really good football player. He's a terrific athlete. An entertainer. He's a great wide receiver and, you know, Truly what you've seen in the NFL with Corey Coleman, and he's an instant plug-and-play good NFL wide receiver, even on shitty teams. That guy can play, and he's going to get a lot of activity, great match with Kaiser. Corey Coleman's an all-in kind of guy right here and in any kind of competitive league if you need a wide receiver or a flex. Corey Davis, I can't believe he's still on this cheat sheet. He's only owned at 50% exactly of leagues. Look, he's been a little bit, I don't want to say disappointing because the usage that we want has been there, you know, but he hasn't really, I don't know, how do I put it? He just hasn't really been getting it done. You know, seven targets in week 11, didn't get anything done, only 27 yards. He had the 10 targets in week 10, just not on 87% of snaps, only the 48 yards. This week, Tennessee takes on Indy. Is that in Indy or is that in, no, that's, yeah, that's in Indy. So it's, it's in the fast track. Tennessee is a actually a, a, a three point three and a half point favorite in that one. It opened up at four and a half. Um, Forty four and a half is the over under in that one. So a decent over under in that game. So with with Corey Davis, he is going to have a couple of breakout games somewhere along the line. You're just not going to be able to predict it. The thing is, though, that in the deep competitive leagues where our subscribers or listeners own him. You're going to probably have to play him in your flex or your deep, you know, wide receiver three. He's he's a good player that's getting the opportunities, and there's only so many of those in the deep competitive leagues this late in the season after you've suffered, you know, all these guys are off the table because of injuries, et cetera. So I don't feel bad about it. It hadn't been what I wanted. You're not going to be able to predict the monster. If you don't have to play him, that's then don't. But if I have to play him, I don't feel bad about it. And then the last guy kind of here on the bottom of the uh, of the sort of priority tier, not as high as any of these other guys, is Damian Williams of the Miami Dolphins. Of course, we don't know what's going to be happening with Jay Cutler. I don't really care. I don't want to concern myself with this terrible team. We said at the beginning of the year, 
you know, what did we say at the beginning of the year that, boy, this team sure doesn't seem like it should be, you know, uh, winning. You know, did, did, like it, I think at one point they were four and three. And we're just like, how does that even happen? They look so bad. Now, the, the, this Miami team certainly uh, showing their true colors. We could have Matt Moore in there a little more. I think that that bodes really well for Kenny Stills and nobody else. Damian Williams, though, still only 35% owned. All right, so the other guy, Damian Williams, he was out-snapped by Kenyon Drake last week, 59% to 42%. But Kenyon Drake, as opposed to Week 10, where he was the one that got everything done, Damian Williams on 11 touches uh, got the 102 yards. Kenyon Drake still the two targets in the past game, only one for Damian Williams. So that's a little bit concerning with uh, maybe with the offense changing to a Matt Moore, maybe he does not look to to dump down to these guys as much as we thought before because the target numbers from those guys have gone down and down and down. And then this week with Matt Moore in there for Jay Cutler, it seems like the player in that offense that, that, that it helps the most is most certainly Kenny Stills, who blew up with 180 yards and a touchdown. But uh, Damian Williams, I, I figure that probably you think that both he and Kenyon Drake are worth owning at this point in time, and that Kenyon Drake is, since he's over 50% owned right now, uh, Damian Williams is the one who you can still kind of get there in the uh, free agent bargain, Ben. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a few weeks ago on this pod that there was being far too much made of the disparity between Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams in terms of their value on the waiver wire. And we've seen it manifest. Uh, I'm not as thrilled with Damian Williams as some of those other guys either. But if you're in a competitive league and you need a flex or a running back, he's a pretty clear-cut option. There's not many of those out there. And we've seen him play decent. So I'd have, I find him very, very reasonable if you got to fill a gap right now. My question is this: Why did you you don't think that Kenny Stills belongs? Uh, I know he's in like he's at the very top of the heap of the next segment down. Do you not think that with Matt Moore in there, he belongs in the top, uh, in, in the top sort of elite pickups here at thirty eight percent ownership? Or is you just doing that because you think that Jay Cutler is going to be back eventually, and uh, Kenny Stills in a Jay Cutler offense is nowhere near as valuable, it seems, as Kenny Stills in a Matt Moore offense, where in Matt Moore's last seven games he has started, Kev, Ken, Kenny, Stills, Kenny Stills has scored seven touchdowns and just gone for ridiculous numbers. I mean, you know how I may feel about Kenny Stills, right? Well, we talked about it on the serious show. You said he's the guy in DFS that you wanted to play last week. I hope you actually played some. And I didn't did. Just say I, it. I didn't say okay. he was just the guy I want to play last week. I said that we're at the point in the season where it's clear that D- that Kenny Stills is the Dolphins receiver that you want to play in DFS period last week and the rest of the way because of his pricing. And I said it was just like la- the exact same conclusion we'd come to last year. We were back to that same spot. It came home to roost in a big way this week, and I like it moving forward. It's just still a pretty big, you know. It's he li- he favor he does like Stills, and Stills for the whole season has gotten the highest snap count of all those receivers, but. It's still kind of a three-headed dragon with Matt Moore tossing it around. You can make an argument he should be up there with the Corey Davises of the world. Just, I'm not convinced that he's going to get the volume that uh, th- that the guys at the top of this week's cheat sheet are going to get. But he's right there perched atop the next heap. I also don't think you have to – I mean, maybe people are going to go bananas on stills after this week. But historically, you wouldn't have to spend as much – on stills either Jarvis Landry still led the team with 11 targets this last week Devontae Parker with nine and stills with eight what when did Cutler go out do you remember Alex 
early. He only had 3.2 fantasy points. Yeah, so I mean, still, I know that. Still, and the yeah. thing about Stills, look, I we, we've liked Stills since he came out of OU. I was very impressed with Stills at Dolphins training camp this summer. He's a one-trick pony, though. And when he gets the targets, he's great value. He just was the guy that happened to hit the big plays this last week. I like him a lot moving forward. Just more comfortable with the role, the lead roles of guys like Josh Doxson, Corey Coleman. Speaking of guys named Corey, uh, looking at the value tier here at running back, I noticed Corey Clement on there, a guy who we've talked about since the Senior Bowl. Basically, along with Jamal Williams, they, they were the two players in consideration for our all-Senior Bowl roster. We ended up, thankfully, going with Kareem Hunt. Would have looked like pretty big donkeys if we would have <laughs> gone with one of those other two, I think, um, based on how Kareem Hunt has done this season, even though he's having a little bit of a, a swoon here down the stretch that hopefully looks to get right uh, at home this next week versus Buffalo. But, man, Corey Clement, uh, Trashman said in his uh, fantasy fallout column this week that he's a guy who you can make a good case that you have to get in your lineup moving forward if you own him. I just tend to think that as these Eagles go along, they're going to get Jay. They, they didn't, you know, they didn't get Jay Ajayi on that roster for no reason. I think as these Eagles kind of get going, going along as they make their, um, make their stretch run here, you know, probably in route to a, a first round bye in the NFC playoffs. I think they're going to want to get Jay Ajayi more and more incorporated. You still have Garrett Blunt there. And so we're seeing now that, you know, Kenyon Barner is getting to play some, but Wendell Smallwood is going the way of possibly being a, a sort of a healthy scratch moving forward. What do you think? Is this still a – I mean, is this a deal where you can trust Corey Clement in 12-team leagues? Boy, that was an expert-quality scouting report we had on Corey Clement coming out of the Senior Bowl. Well, we had everybody drafting him in in uh, MFL 10s even when he was an undrafted free agent. Oh, yeah. He was he was <laughs> right? on the Dynasty rookie draft cheat sheet to make sure that we sniffed around him, and then he was on the redraft draft cheat sheets in August – we, it wasn't any clarity the Eagles situation for much of that time. Or, they, he, or, or, or he, he was even going to make the fifty three. Yeah, but I mean, we—he's a good player, and there was kind of a void there. I tend to be a little more on the trash man side of things these days, Alex. I'm <laughs> That's sh- disgusting. I'm sure you've noticed. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think he has a role on that offense, and it looks like the game scripts are good for for his role. I'd, I'd expect Ajayi to get more involved, but I think we saw you talk about true colors. I think they had a chance coming off the bye. I know he's still acclimating, but I think we saw what they want to do with that running game. They want to be multiple. They want to have the different guys for the various conditions. I mean, they love hammering you with a pretty beast mode-like guy like Jay Ajayi, who's a hammer himself. And then they love coming over the top with the sledgehammer and like Garrett Blunt. And then they like they like letting Corey Clement loose on you once you're once you're you once you've been bludgeoned. So trust is a strong word. Uh, I don't agree with that. I don't trust Corey Clement, but he should be acquired, and he's a reasonable play in any given week right now. Especially if it's a if it's a game where the Eagles are a favorite, a legit favorite. Clement is a nice play. 
The only player left on here that I have any strong feelings about is D.D. Westbrook, who's 33% owned. Didn't do too much this last week. Actually had one play that could have been disastrous. Uh, that was a fumble that actually ended up going out of bounds. Uh, at, a, at a critical time there for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But still, they said that he was not going to play very much this last week. He did not play that much, but still, uh, you know, for, on, on only 45% of snaps, saw six targets. So um, clearly involved when he was in there. He ended up with three receptions for 35 yards. I have a feeling that the mega mon- the D.D. Westbrook mega monster is possibly less than six days away. I mean, it could be coming immediately. If not, it's going to happen at some point down the stretch. It's probably going to happen multiple times. We're talking about an unbelievably sick player here, a guy that ever since his senior year in college, I've been, you know, outside of his personal question marks that I've been absolutely smitten with. Um, We saw what he could do in the preseason. We saw what an absolute monster he was, even on limited targets in the preseason. Uh, on the cheat sheet, I actually had to move him up from where Byron had him just because I love <laughs> I love him so much, uh, moving him above the likes of uh, Josh Gordon. D.D. Westbrook, your thoughts on your, your thoughts on him moving forward? I kind of felt like the black anaconda was starting to slither up the cheat sheet. <laughs> I just don't know with him with Corey, you know, Corey Coleman. You know, here's the thing, man. It's been it's been. I mean, we we love the black anaconda, but I, has it been three years since we've seen him in, a, in an NFL uniform? It's, has it been three? It's been a minute. I think they said it's it was 2014. That's three years, maybe four, depending on how you think about it. Interesting pickup and a thin, you know, once it starts to get thin in these deep leagues, already 34% owned, though, Josh Gordon. I don't know. I kind of like him with Kaiser. They said he can play as early as week 13, and he's been a he's been an absolute uh, blessing in all the meetings and just a wonderful guy around the team facility. So I, I'm expecting Josh Gordon to get rolled out here in the fantasy playoffs. Like I said, so, I don't try. I, he could uh, he could always he could always slither into your, to, to his owner's room late at night and asphyxiate him. But you yeah. you you hate you, <laughs> you hate matching up against a player like the Trash Man deep in the playoffs. And he's got Josh Gordon he un- in his flex. He unfurls a big mythological snake you know, type type <laughs> monster on you in his flex. Yeah, no, you hate it. But so I think honestly, man, I think that if you can't get any of the can't get any of the players who are the kind of the premier, the elite options at the very top tier of the waiver wire cheat sheet, I think that those two guys, D.D. Westbrook and Josh Gordon, by far, you know, by far represent the greatest upside moving forward into the playoffs, the fantasy playoffs. We only have two more weeks of the regular season. Can can you believe it, Byron? Like we always say, it's like the salmon swimming upstream, rotting flesh just kind of falling by the wayside as we make our way, trying to avoid the bears and everything else and growing beaks. Like we're, we're in that spot right now. It's like it's about to be Thanksgiving. Then it's going to be December, and before we know it, yeah, I think I yeah. think a couple of these salmon have already died over over here, man. But it's a good. That's why it's a good <laughs> good time to turn our efforts more to DFS, which we've been blowing up the last couple of weeks, man. Well, that's a good segue. So go to rosterwatch.com, download the waiver wire cheat sheet, find our exact recommendations for the free agent acquisition uh, budget dollar bids that you should put in on these guys, the exact order that you should put them in if you are in a uh, waiver order league, and uh, don't waste a bunch of time on it. 
make sure you do it, but don't waste a bunch of time. Go to Roster Watch. Get a pro membership. Also, while we're here pitching things, please, uh, th- there's, there's no commercials here. There's no ads here. This content is brought to you by Roster Watch Nation. If you're not a member already at Roster Watch, please go get a pro membership. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. And while you're here, if you enjoy it, please give us a five-star rating and review. It gives us all the reason uh, that we need to keep getting you this podcast with the same frequency that we have and to continue moving forward as we get into the all-important off-season travels and travails for all of Roster Watch Nation. All right, so let's talk about the Thanksgiving slate. Uh, got a big slate on DraftKings. I noticed that there is the the uh, wishbone that has $150,000 to first place. There is uh, an awesome three-entry. I, I love the three-entry max. Uh, series. They have an awesome $33 three-entry max that has a $200,000 prize pool and a $20,000 first prize. Uh, certainly great uh, great ROI there on that one. And uh, yeah, it looks like this Wishbone Classic a little bit little bit uh, top-heavy, but hey, talk, uh, for only 20 bucks, you can make 150 k back if we get this deal right. I guess the first thing I'll talk about before we get into this is just sort of short slate strategy. I feel like there's going to be a lot of guys on this slate that are going to be epic chalk, and you always need to remember on short slates you have to differentiate somewhere, whether it's a you know whether it's a key player pivot, whether it is a lineup construction strategy that's going to be different than what everybody else is doing. That's just going to put you on different plays, because as I've gone through here and made lineups that feel real cash game like, which is my general. Um, the general way that I lean as far as a DFS player, the way that my mind works, I'm a little bit more cash game oriented. I, I feel like it's a lineup that could maybe win, you know, but if I do win, I'm going to be splitting it with like 13,000 other assholes, you know? So uh, let's just, let's look into this. Let's dive into it. Let's see if there's any plays um, as far as we see that could maybe be a little bit lower ownership, trying to identify who some of the chalk is. Let's start out with the first game we're going to have on the slate. Probably right as you're sitting down to have some turkey and stuffing. Minnesota at Detroit. Always love these uh, Always love these Detroit games on Thanksgiving. Detroit always seems to come to play, but Minnesota is three-point favorites in this thing. It opened up as a pick em. Um, the line has now moved to Minnesota minus three. The over-under in this one is 44 and a half. It's the lowest over-under just by a half a point on the whole entire slate. Looks like, uh, if we start talking about who we like as far as home favorite running backs, um, we have Jarek McKinnon and we have Latavius Murray. Uh, I feel like Jarek McKinnon is probably going to be somebody that's, uh, at 5.2 K that has ownership probably somewhere in the 30 to 40% range. Seems like a spot where it just always seems, especially on DraftKings, where there's such an emphasis on pass-catching running backs, he might be a little bit more heavily owned than Latavius Murray. But at 4.9K, it's hard to argue with Latavius, who has actually been better for fantasy thus far this season, uh, at least over, uh, or not this season, but over the course of the last two weeks. Byron, your thoughts there on the running game of Minnesota going up against Detroit? Uh, it is. Uh, I don't know what it'll be yet for the matchup this week, but coming into last week, it was our number 12 matchup for opposing runners. I would imagine it'll probably stay somewhere um, around that area, kind of 10 to 15-ish. So mid middling to okay as far as the matchup's concerned for opposing runners. Yeah, at that price point, I'd like the Vikings running back that's going to have the lower ownership projections. 
I feel like that's going to be, be Latavius. You think it'll be Latavius, huh? Even after the yeah. even after outperforming. Yes. On DraftKings, I think it'll be Latavius. I think he, I think I think let me just even go look. I'll look at like I'll pull up I'm just besides uh, we don't even have our ownership projections up yet. So those will come out with the DFS cheat sheets probably on Wednesday. But I'll look at Roto Grinders. Um Roto Grinder, Chris Gimino at Roto Grinders has Jarek McKinnon at forty two point five percent and Latavius at twenty five percent. So he has he has McKinnon even higher than I thought. I, what did I say? Twenty to thirty. Yep. So I don't know. I, um, it's looking to me like maybe I think Jarek McKinnon on a efficiency side like DraftKings. It's going to be more popular. I think on FanDuel, it could be Latavius, where the, the almighty touchdown rule, rules all. So does that mean that you like Latavius better? Yep. It sure Andy's does. cheaper. Andy's cheaper. On a short slate like this, you, you know, you got to weigh, weigh ownership, but also it's, it's really nice to, to know who, that he's, he's that think, much cheaper. Who do you think the chalk's going to be at running back? P. Ryan, obviously, I, w- I would imagine. Yeah, and I think just if you look at it, if you just open up your open up the con, open up one of these contests, you always like it. The the deal is always people are so used to paying up at running back, right? It's we've been molded over this last year that if there is an elite running back option on the board, like a Le'Veon Bell, like a David Johnson this year, like a Todd Gurley. A, I mean, what's becoming a Mark Ingram, what had been a Melvin Gordon, you pay up because on DraftKings that you know last year that's that, that's how you won is you got Le'Veon Bell and you got David Johnson in, in every lineup. I think people are just used to paying up at running back, and so I think that Melvin Gordon at eighty one hundred, the top priced back on this slate, is going to be very chalky himself. You know, going up against Dallas, it's not necessarily. Um, not necessarily a terrific run-stopping unit, especially with Sean Lee still out. Uh, we had it last week as our number seven matchup of the week. I haven't seen any news yet about whether Sean Lee is – do you know if he's going to be back? I saw that Tyron Smith's going to probably be back. Um, I have not seen any news Which they about, better hope, otherwise it'll be an unmitigated disaster against the pressure from of jo- of Bosa, Joey Bosa and, and Melvin, Melvin Ingram. Ingram. Yeah, well, that's the thing, you know, and who knows whether Tyron Smith's going to be fully healthy. Also, they were saying at this point last week that they thought Tyron Smith would be able to go and that it wasn't until Friday whenever Jane Slater said, like, uh, he's not going to be able to go, (laughs) right? So uh, let me just see here about Sean Lee. I hope I didn't miss something and he's out for, like, the rest of the season or anything, but I don't think he was – Let's see. Oh, Sean Lee. Let's see. I, it's his name typed in wrong here to my to my browser. Uh, people are acting like Jerry. Oh, it it just came out. Jerry Jones rules out Sean Lee for Thursday. So it looks like Sean Lee will be out for Thursday. If I can trust what I'm seeing here on Twitter. Um, do you have anything else on Sean Lee? Well, I just think it's so funny that Jerry Jones is the one that rules him out. Now, my understanding is Sean Lee's going to be out on the short week. You know, Alex, when I look at this at the running, I think there's an argument to be made for rolling with the more expensive chalk at running back, or there's a whole bunch of cheaper guys I believe you can live with. So that's kind of Sean Lee is out again from from uh, as being reported by the Landry Hat. 
I guess the Landry had is a yeah. Uh, I mean, you see what the Eagles running backs did to the Cowboys last week. It's a good spot for Melvin Gordon. Should be a reasonable spot for P. Ryan as well. So there's a strong argument for those are the two chalk options. I mean, here's the thing: we're not playing cash on it. We're not playing cash on a on a three game slate, are we? Are you playing cash or are you just playing tournaments? Man, I've just gotten more in the mindset of Alex of just trying to put my best lineups together, man. And I, you, you, you can. You you might have a little more light you can shed on that, but for me, I'm trying to put the best lineups and like what I've found that helps me a lot on these smaller slates is to go in here like running back. It looks to me you could go either way, and I'm I may want a couple of lineups in each ways, especially if I'm playing tournaments. So for me, it's a little bit easier to go in here and say, <clears throat> well, which quarterbacks can I boil this thing down to? Which defenses can I boil this thing down to? Because what I've been finding on these smaller slates is how important the correlations are. You know, they're important all, all the time, but you really you can't afford to screw that up. So once you have a defense, once you have your quarterback in place, it it helps give you a little bit of direction in your build. At least it has for me. Yeah, I I get it. And I think in this game, do you think when you, whenever we look at quarterbacks, we have Minnesota that is our second worst matchup on the year for opposing quarterbacks i think what that's going to be is going to be xavier rhodes on marvin jones because xavier rhodes it seems like opposing shadow corners always shadow marvin jones they generally don't like to uh, travel with golden tate that moves around so much uh detroit versus opposing quarterbacks is ranked 18th so it's a middling matchup for us my concern with when we talk about the minnesota quarterbacks i mean i Kind of like Case Keenum, I like the I like the weapons that he has. I worry a little bit as far as I mean, you love the slot wide receiver against Detroit, right? We've loved that for a long time. I worry about Stephon Diggs possibly uh, mixing up with Darius Slay, so I think it represents a, a good spot for Adam Thielen. But then you look at ownership, and I, let me just look and just let me pull up this projected ownership from Roto Grinders again. Uh, before we get ours up. Um, it looks like Thielen's going to be the epic chalk, uh, 55% projected by Chris Gimino, and then Stephon Diggs at half that ownership at 27.5. Stephon Diggs is an entertainer, man. Don't you think he's going to want to entertain on Thanksgiving? I might not even care about that. Yeah, matchup. but when I – I mean, again, we're doing at first glance. You've mentioned that that's an important part of your process. What are your thoughts at first glance? At my first glance – at the available quarterbacks for the Thanksgiving slate. To me, it's very clear which guys I'm interested in, and that's Kirk Cousins and Phillip Rivers. I'm not too yeah, interested in any I of these agree. other guys. So well, now agree. that I have that, and I'm getting Cousins or Rivers into the beginning, now now I can start to like a, like a kind of like a tree, right? And so I can have, yeah. I can have my two guys, and I can start my builds from there. So I'm going to have my Rivers lineups and my Cousins lineups. Well, that can start to dictate the next. So if you're going to have Rivers, you're going to need to get some Chargers, you know, maybe Keenan Allen. If you're going to have Cousins, you're going to need to consider getting some uh, Redskins. Josh Doxson. Wide receivers in there, certainly. You know, I know that Las Vegas absolutely loves the Redskins defense uh, this week. I'm a little shy about it just because I think those division games with Eli Manning can sometimes just go totally unexpected and be – closer of a game or more of a shootout than you expect but you know that's got to come into consideration you no know, can i put the redskins defense 
with cousins and docs. And I mean, these are the kind of things that I, I some of our subscribers mm-hmm. that have been, I, I believe, having a little trouble getting the finer points of their lineups right. These are the things they need to be thinking about. Well, and the other thing is, is, you know, you're probably going to want some Samaj P. Ryan. And then so if you're going to be playing all of these Washington Redskins, if you're playing Kirk Cousins, if you're playing Samaj P. Ryan and you're playing either Jamison Crowder or Josh Doxson, who both look like they're, you know, at 5.4K and I think Doxson's only 4.7K, both of those guys should be pretty appealing options. I've seen the early ownership projections on Doxson actually being – Astoundingly low, only fifteen percent on a three-game slate. That's amazing. I'll have plenty. I'll be over the field on Doxson for sure, especially in my Kirk Cousins lineups. Well, and to where um, where this thing becomes clear for me, Alex, is just it, to me this makes the the build just easier and more intuitive. So let's let's well, say. Oh, well, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, I'm just saying if you're going to go with that, so let's just say we're going down the road of all. all I'll even click in this build. I'll just I, just as we talk it over. Like so, if I if if I go Kirk Cousins and let me just say I want to go with an onslaught, right? I want to go with all these Redskins: Kirk Cousins, Samaj P. Ryan, Josh Doxson. Okay, that leaves me fifty five hundred and thirty three dollars left per player. I with if, if I'm going with an onslaught from these guys, I'm going to need to bring it back with one, if not two, New York Giants, right? Because if those New York Giants aren't going to get anything done on the other side of the football, then this group of three players are not going to live up to their maximum po- potential either. And this is a tournament, so what I'm shooting for is my maximum which, po- potential. Which means that I want Evan Ingram in a big Evan in a big revenge game after the goose egg this last week. Absolutely. And then we all we know is today is that Sterling Shepard still feels sick. And I don't know if that's going to wear off by Thursday. Um I don't know when you guys are listening to this. If you're listening to this on Thursday morning before the games kick off, certainly uh, look and see what Sterling Shepard's availability is. For now, let's just see if I get Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard both in. That still leaves me at at uh, 50-25 per player, and all I have left to fill out is one running back, one wide receiver, a flex, and a defense and special teams. How interested are you in getting in Keenan Allen in this scenario, I think in this scenario, Melvin Gordon is probably out of the picture. Well, I'll tell you what becomes I, clear to me, Alex, is that in that scenario, and tell me if I'm wrong or you disagree. In that, if, if you're telling me you're doing a mega, what are you doing? A four or five, four player? You're doing a mega Redskin stack? No, a three player. Cousins, okay, well, three, Ryan three, and Josh three player might be a little different. Once I get into four player stacks, is when I start to think there's no way I probably shouldn't be playing the the defense from that same team either. Either, e- either defense, yeah, of course, not the defense I, against. I think them. you can have. I think you can sometimes maybe have a stack, a three player stack, where you still play that defense and it work out all right. But but what I would say is generally what I would start to think here is okay. Well, that takes the Redskins defense out of the picture for me. I, yes. I know I like the Chargers defense quite a bit this week. Maybe it could be an example. And now, now, yeah. now I've got my defense figured out. So I'm going to put them in, and now I know that that helps clarify the rest of the picture in terms of the the money I have, the budget I have left, the pricing that I can start aiming for. Just the, when you build this way, it be, the decisions they almost get easier. There's they become clear and they become intuitive. Yeah. So in this situation, no Redskins defense for us in this in this iteration of a lineup. There's going to be no Giants defense for us in this iteration of a lineup because what are we wanting? We we want this game to shoot out, right? And so um, 
and we wanted to shoot out not with defensive scores and stuff like that. We wanted to shoot out with offense because we have key offensive pieces from each side of it, right? We don't want all those points coming from defenses. So, um, yeah, so if we paint this story, we put this story together of how we see things occurring, now we've gotten, if we get that much right, you know, it isn't like we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine slots that we have to get right. It's like now we've got we've got Cousins in, we've got P. Ryan in, we have Doxon in, we have Shepard in, we have Evan Ingram in. You know, and we're not saying that that's the right lineup. You need to stick, get back to rosterwatch.com and look at the Vegas tool for the special Thursday edition of the Vegas tool and the special Thursday edition of the DFS cheat sheet to see how we're going to be doing it. But just from a theory standpoint, it's like if by, by us stacking this and stacking this situation, right, if we get that situation right, now what we have left is a running back, a wide receiver, a flex, and a defense that we have to get right. So instead of having to get you know, nine things right, we're narrowing it down to where we only now have to get like four or, or, or five things right, you know? So um, always something good to look at. And like Byron says, it'll help you in the rest of your construction. And so you're saying that maybe if that were to happen, you would like the Chargers. We know that the Chargers defense is going to be a great correlation with Melvin Gordon. Can we even make, we can make that happen. And then a wide receiver that leaves us 4,600 between our wide receiver and our flex. Um, I think I actually kind of like the beginning of that build. I think we just leave it, you know, leave it like that. Leave it for people's interpretation to see if they want to mess with that thing. But a correlate, you know, the, the, there's a strong correlation there between the the uh, defense and the runner. You know, so if you go with the Chargers, it automatically says, well, it, it you know puts you in a comfortable spot to get in Melvin Gordon, and with a bunch of these guys at kind of cheap prices, you know, you can look at Kenny Galladay, who's not going to be facing. And Xavier Rhodes, you know, um, for 3800 You can go dumpster diving here a little bit with, you know, your Cole Beasley and types. And I think you can consider going – I know the correlation stronger with the running back. I do think if you want to free up a little extra cash, you could think about going Keenan Allen with that Chargers defense and and, and saving, freeing up a little extra cash or – even if you wanted to, even I think the Chargers defense is a fine, fine play on its own. But let me say, what if we flip? Let's what if we flip it over to a Philip Rivers lineup? I think the way you could do it is you could get Rivers stacked with a Keenan Allen, and then you could maybe get an Austin Eckler in there as the Chargers running back in that situation. See that situation last week, you could have actually played Gordon with Allen and Rivers, but it still wasn't ideal. See, you know, I think you could look more at an Eckler in that situation if you're trying to stack with Rivers on that, on that, on that lineup build. In which, well, in ha- which case, that brings up a perfectly opportune time to stack Redskins defense with Samaj P. Ryan. Yeah, I mean, I get that, but then you also have to get if you're going to be saying the only the only way that Austin Eckler is going to be in there is if they are losing. Right, and so how do the how do the Cowboys get ahead in this story? Well, so how so do they come get up, to the negative come, game come up, come up with a come up with the Cowboys player uh, to to put in there. Uh, I think I mean I think you could put uh, I think you could maybe look at Dez. You know, I don't know. Let me see what his pricing is here. Dez is sixty four hundred, so he's cheap. It looks like the ownership on him is going to be about where Stephon Diggs is. I mean, Dez is, Chris Gimino, Dez is just fine. Grinders says. Says thirty percent. 
I don't know if I want a 30%. De- Dude, Dez looks slow, man. He looks like he's an unexplosive possession-wide receiver at this point in his career. I'm not well, sure you I want You think if it's just a three-way charger stack, you absolutely have to have one of those Cowboys in a cash game? In ca- I, I, I probably wouldn't do a three-man stack in, in, in cash. Um. But yeah, I think in a, I think in a tournament you got to bring it back with at least one cowboy if you got if you have a three man stack of the Chargers. Yeah, yeah, a quarterback. Well, who who would you and, have brought it back with with Buffalo last week? With uh, Buffalo, look shady. So you so you would have had to get in. Well, that even been, even though, that been, but, but let's it be, been the absolute let's nuts. be honest. It been the absolute yeah, nuts. and and that's what made that's the only thing that gave. I'm. With shady that that game was most of those a lot of those fantasy points were on the board before any of that happened. I'm not sure Shady scoring that touchdown really manifested in too many of the points on the Chargers side of thing. But I get it. There there was somebody just in a high scoring game that did something. I think in this case you'd have to maybe say Dez. You'd have to look at you'd have to look at Dez, I guess. And I I, I don't necessarily love it, but I. <clears throat> If you don't do that, then yeah, I think. What about Terrence Williams or somebody? I, you know, or somebody's I, not going to see as much Casey Hayward. Could could be a Terrence Williams. Yeah, I mean, I played him. What about a What about a Jason Witten? I mean, this is the 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 Chargers. That's the best opposing matchup that we have on them. They're the eleventh best matchup for opposing tight ends. It just feels like such a low upside play. And is he going to be? The yeah, <laughs> but don't you think that on Thanksgiving, Jason Witten just scores touchdowns? I would not be surprised if we looked up a split on that. We haven't had, like we said, guys. This is this is our initial look through the slate. So this is just us bullshitting, spitballing. This is none of our analytics talking. We don't even have the week the week twelve matchup tool up yet. I'm still looking at last week's what matchup. If, what if it's an Alfred Morris putting up an absolute monster and Philip Rivers having to play from behind, firing up Austin Eckler? Well, and I mean, Allen. well then see that is a scenario that nobody's going to be on. That is pretty, you know. I don't even have to. I don't even have to look at the ownership projections, the early ownership projections on Alfred Morris, to know that that is, you know, that that's a scenario that nobody's going to be putting together in their minds. A lot of people don't put together scenarios in their minds. They just go through and they pick the players that they like and try and keep it under the salary cap. And it just it isn't the best way to work. Well, can I tell you another thing that's happened to me recently? That speaking of the salary cap, is I have almost altogether quit paying attention to my to my budget, my pricing, my remaining dollars. I don't even care anymore. I put together the lineups that I like with the guys I want. And those guys, that set of guys is pretty clear by Sunday morning, so it's not that difficult. Well, how how much are you comfortable leaving on the table? In these small slates, quite a bit. Quite a bit in the small slates. Quite a bit, meaning what, 800? I think I had one with 900 on the table this last week. I mean... Quite, yeah, I, I don't mind. I, I well, it's the it's 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 fine on small slates. A lot of times, it's it's the only way you can really put the lineup make a differentiated together. Roster. It's the only sometimes it's the only way you can put a lineup together that's like the one that you want that makes sense in that small slate. No, it's very true. You shouldn't you shouldn't worry about. Look, I'll I'll, I'll tell you this. I think that in this slate. Oh no! I'll go on out on the limits and and say that any any if you're in the wishbone tournament, the really big 1.5 million dollar DraftKings wishbone tournament, any lineup that you zero out, somebody else is going to have. Any lineup, any permutation that you zero out, I think somebody else is going to have. There are just too many ways to get there. Too many people want to squeeze every dollar out of the out of this arbitrary salary, you know. And it's uh, 
it's actually an edge to 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 leave money on the table. I'm just so I just I always think that once I get to 700 bucks, that there's there's always a way to make my lineup a little bit better, you know. But um, I think on these short slates, you got to get rid of that. You got to think a little bit more like a trash man, a little bit more like a contrarian. And leaving money on the table is just a very 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 natural way to gain leverage on the field. And the way to gain the possibility of an edge. So definitely, I certainly, definitely not a characteristic of the trash man, though, leaving anybody's money on the table. Uh, not a not a characteristic really of any of us here here in roster watch. We don't like to leave money on the table generally. Um, any other players in the? So I mean, Minnesota, Detroit. We didn't even talk about Amir Abdullah as a cheap option. I don't think anybody's going to be on him. I like he's it. actually. I like it. He's actually actually been pretty good recently. It's a horrible matchup having to go up into the teeth of that Minnesota defense, but. They just seem to be having. To, they seem to be wanting to just force feed him the ball to see if they can try their damnedest to make him any sort of featured runner on DK. Over the course of the last three weeks, has gotten you at least eleven point five points. Um, you know, at thirty nine hundred, you're looking at basically a guy that's been three xing that salary for the last three weeks, and the volume is. Um, I mean, it's been the volume has been okay. It looks like he has had forty three attempts over the course of the last three weeks. So looking at about 15 attempts a game on average with the targets trickling down a little bit there to due to Theo Riddick, only two targets last game, two the game before, one the game before that. So uh, not the threat out of the backfield that we were all hoping for preseason. But at only 3.9K, probably a guy who uh, you'll need to consider. What about what about Orleans Darkwa going up against this number – 11 matchup on last week's roster watch matchup tool for opposing running backs. Um, I wonder if you got a Kirk Cousins and a, you know, Josh Doxson or somebody like that in one lineup, if you could maybe have Orleans Darkwood as being one of the guys you run it back with on the Giants side instead of a Sterling Shepard or an Evan Ingram. How many receptions is Darkwood getting out of the backfield? Because it's hard for me to envision the Giants just pounding away with a lead on the Redskins with Darkwa. Let's see here. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, look, the, the, these these Giants last week they they beat up on the uh, they beat up on the Chiefs. Been looking pretty good, but yeah, I mean, he's getting uh, four four targets last week, two receptions. Um, I think if you were looking at a guy who was going to be coming in if as, as a loser in the come from behind mode, that would certainly be Shane Vereen, right? I would like to pull up his snap counts and see what they've been because. To start the season, that was a miserable deal. I feel like I saw him a little bit more last yeah. week than I have. I quit um, I quit thinking about Shane Vereen years ago, man. Only three targets for Shane Vereen last week, but he did have 33% of snaps. 22 touches for Orleans Darkwell last week, though, for 90 and a touchdown on 43% of snaps. Boy, Evan Ingram, how does he get six targets in this game with no Sterling Shepard and only one reception for nine yards? It was a tough, tough game. I watched it. I think the conditions and the wind had a little bit to do with it. They had a few misconnections on just barely misconnections on high value targets and a couple of maybe uncharacteristic drops by Ingram as well. It's just a tough game. Tough game. I guess on the and then from on the on the Washington side, I mean, if we were looking super, you know, I think we've talked over most of the plays from this. But, but you know, who we didn't talk over yet is the um, is Golden Tate. Any interest there on him? He might see a good bit of Trey Trey Wayne's in this deal. Um, yeah, I mean, I wanted to talk last week. We just didn't get time to do it. One of my questions for the of the week for the slate last week was, 
What about the Lions receivers? Nobody was talking about them. There was, they were in a very interesting spot. And I know the trash man, and I paid close attention to it because he's a Marvin Jones owner. He'd kind of dismissed Marvin Jones altogether as a guy who was flaming out after he'd been a boon for the trash man's rosters this last month, you know, but I just didn't see that in the actual, I thought this, I, I didn't, I, I, I didn't like him last week either. I, yeah, I, but I, I would, I'll have to go back and look at the numbers. I just feel like I wasn't, I wasn't seeing the data to necessarily back up uh, the trash man's. I should, I should have liked him. Assertion. Yeah, exactly. Him. So yeah, I guess it was only two targets in week 10. That's what got him off. Anyways, th- there was a sneaky situation with a lions receiver last week. That was yeah, tough. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, but we had, but we had to know in week 10 that that was going against Jay. We, we knew that was going against Jason McCourty. So that was just an oversight. Yeah. You know, we should have been higher on Marvin Jones. Well, we just week. didn't, it was just not, it, it was on my list. I wanted to talk about it on the show, but you know how those but shows see, get, but uh, right. Anyway, but see with this this week, I mean, it's it's going to be Xavier Rose. He's the one who I, I believe is he not? Is he just, definitely oh, healthy? I I think I think Xavier he's, Rhodes I, got pulled this last week. I believe. Or I thought he got yeah, hurt. Yeah, but I I, I thought I, I thought I read that he was he, he misses practice. He, he was, could be available. He was Thursday. He was due back, but they're saying he should be available. So if he's not available, then then things change drastically. But it looks like per Pro Football Focus, Marvin Jones was shadowed by Xavier Rhodes on 88.9% of his routes in week four. Uh, he was targeted three times in Xavier Rhodes' coverage, uh, allowing one reception for Get, only four getting, yards. Getting the Lions wide receiver sit- situation figured out in DFS on a weekly basis is, is oftentimes Look, one of the keys, man. Here's the answer. Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay. Firing back up this week. Uh, let me just see. Uh, was he already hurt in week four? Or was that the week he got hurt? You, let me look. I was kind of thinking that maybe it was, it was week because two or three. He played for a couple yeah, it of was. weeks. Yeah, it was, it was. It was. It was. It was. So he was in week three when he got hurt. Um, but if you look at what Golden Tate did in week four... Whenever Marvin Jones laid an egg, it wasn't like Golden Tate really did anything else against these guys either. He had five targets for three receptions at 29 yards. So he didn't, he didn't do anything uh, in that game, only a 6.1 pointer. So I don't know, man. I, I, think that, I think that the way to get these Detroit Lions wide receivers right is maybe to go with the cheap option in Kenny Galladay. I'm not going to go with anybody up against Xavier Rhodes. Um, and I, I'm not particularly um, – not particularly thrilled to pay up for a sixty-two hundred dollar Golden Tate either. When I can get a Kenny Galladay for some uh, for to, oh, good, a good way to differentiate and get him for only thirty-eight hundred. The ownership right now is projected at where? Oh, one percent. Oh, that's going to go up. That's that's just wrong. We're going to have him projected probably. It's, we're going to project him at five to ten percent owned. Any interest in a, I, in a Matt Stafford Galladay Abdullah stack, or is that just too cockamamie? I think it's too cockamamie. I, so this is the lowest over-under of the week. Um, not by much. I mean, I guess the New York Giants-Washington Redskins is only one half point higher right now, and that's a game that we seem like we're targeting a lot more actively. So Galladay so, and Abdullah feeling like just kind of like nice fill-ins, roster fill-ins right now. I, I, I think it's like if you get to them and – You don't have the money left. It makes, it, it makes everything else work. Roll with you know, them. if it makes the rest of your lineup work, I think you can roll either of those guys in and feel pretty good about it. Um, as far as 
any, you know, we talked about Keenan Allen. We talked about Austin Eckler. We talked about Melvin Gordon. Anybody else of interest on the um, Los Angeles Chargers yeah, I think, side? I think whenever you're not considering it and when it's been totally off the radar that you can consider a Hunter Henry playing Hunter Henry, it's not, it doesn't feel strong, but that's the point. Nobody else, nobody's on it. Nobody's considering it. Nobody's thinking about it. And, man, that guy can put up some points. It's actually, you know, that's that can be a sneaky, sneaky play in your Rivers lineups. You know, you wouldn't, I wouldn't play a naked Hunter Henry. But if I had one of these Phillip Rivers lineups that I wanted to stack up big, Henry's surely a guy you can consider putting in there. Mike Williams is still not getting not getting enough snaps, but, I mean, 55%. It's been ticking up a little bit. Where was he in week 10? 39%. Uh, 39%. So, yeah, it's starting to tick up a little bit there for Mike Williams. I mean, I, I certainly don't mind him. I mean, what a, what a, what a game for their first-round rookie to break out uh, as versus Dallas whenever he's going to be less than 5% owned and Keenan Allen literally is going to be 60% owned on this. Well, out-snapping Travis Benjamin finally. Still not out-snapping Tyrell Williams, but out-targeting out and out-touching him. So, I mean, he's moving, steadily moving up the ranks in that wide receiver core. How, what's his pricing? Let's see. I don't know, but I just know that he's not going to be heavily 3,100. 3,100. Yeah. I mean, that's a guy you – a sneaky guy to fill a gap with. You won't be shocked if Mike Williams gets in the touchdown, and that's all you need. If he no, has that he, game and the no. game he just had and a touchdown for 3,100 bucks, you're feeling good. He had eight targets last that's week. That's what I'm saying. He's He out-snapped Tyrell. Yeah. He out-targeted I'm, Tyrell Williams. Yeah. It's an interesting play. Hunter Henry, $3,300, yeah. so – Two cheap, sneaky get those chargers. Guys with, look, get those guys with Phillip Rivers and chalk out the rest of your lineup. Put in Samaje. Put in, um, you know, Jarek McKinnon or whichever other running back that you have. You could even put in Melvin Gordon as long as you can figure out some guys to run it back with on the Dallas side. I mean, at that point in time, maybe you do go with a Dez, as, as Byron was saying. Um, I like Jason Witten in that scenario, so... A lot of, lot of, lot of different ways to skin this cat, but Terrence Williams, obviously, I don't trust him further than I can throw him, but he's obviously a sneaky, kind of just like, um, you know, take a shot in the dark kind of thing. If you need somebody on the Cowboys side, he has those two or three big games a year out of nowhere. Man, seems like Cole Beasley does okay on Thanksgiving too. Why do I think that? I had to look it up. To so I'll, I'll look up that split if there is a split to that. I'll tweet it out from our Twitter at uh, rosterwatch. I mean, all right. So, in, in, any any last thoughts on this slate? I think we've been over most of it. No, I think that's. Uh, I feel a lot better after that talk. I now I know where I'm going to start with my builds this week for the Thanksgiving slate. Well, of course, you got to make sure to go to rosterwatch.com, download the uh, download the the waiver wire cheat sheets. Or I'm, yeah, well, the, the, yeah, for season long, your the waiver wire cheat sheets that are up right now uh, by Wednesday, the DFS cheat sheets should be live once we get the matchup tool up. Once we get all of our analytics in. Who knows? It could be completely different from what we've been talking about on this pod, but at least we've gotten some of our initial thoughts out there for you guys to kind of maybe help kind of set you on the right path and help set us on the right path as we are entering our personal trends. Uh, each one of us enters our personal trends uh, into our 
DFS model, and you can find all that at rosterwatch.com with a pro membership. As always, uh, please subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast, review the podcast. It means the world to us. So until next time, you guys have an awesome Thanksgiving. Uh, to all of Roster Watch Nation, thank you. We are thankful for you for allowing us to do this full-time as our jobs. Uh, we ask that you continue to, uh, you know, con continue to support us, continue to win, continue to make money, continue to let us know that you're doing so because there's nothing that warms our heart during the holiday season more than knowing that you are winning using these products. So until next time, uh, for Byron Lambert, for the Trash Man, for the Robot Genius, and all of Roster Watch Nation, my name is Alex Dunlap. This is the Roster Watch Podcast. Happy Thanksgiving. We will see you next time. Thank you.